you're one decision away. One decision away from a totally different life. to receive from our Heavenly Father, Part 2. Thank you for joining Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. <laughs> we welcome all of you joining us by television or online at brothersoftheword.com or social media. Always a wonderful delight and joy to have you to tune in and join us. I would like to share just a little humor a man once told his wife that he never wanted to live in a vegetative state dependent upon a machine. He told her, he said, listen, dear, if I ever get in that kind of shape, go ahead and pull the plug. Immediately, his wife got up and unplugged the television. <laughs> Well, we recently completed the last two series we were working on. We shared a series entitled Enjoying Every Day. And at the same time, we shared in a series entitled Healthy Ways to Express Your Emotions. And just recently completed both of those series. And I want to pick up on a series that I did part one on a few weeks ago entitled, Easy to Receive from Our Heavenly Father, part two. So this would be easy to receive from our Heavenly Father, part two. There's a myriad of scriptures throughout the Bible that shows the generosity of God, our loving Father, and his desire to give, his delight in giving to us. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, that God richly gives us all things to enjoy. The Bible also says in Psalms 84, 11, that he withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. And so the Bible is just full of scriptures. The Bible talks about if you being evil, or it's actually translated natural, if you being natural people, parents, you give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to those that ask him? And so you can just see his heart. We desire good things for our children. A lot of times we sacrifice so that our children can have a better life than we had, especially in the older days, they sacrifice for their children. And so God is saying, if you're willing to do that as natural human beings, how much more is it the heart of your heavenly father to give you good things, to give good things to those who ask him? If your son asks for a fish, would you give him a serpent? No, you wouldn't do that. And so God is saying, just as you have a heart of, of giving good things to your children, man, he, how much more shall your heavenly Father give you good things? 
Praise God. My little girl came to me the other day and she said, Dad, can I get a new phone case for her little iPhone? And I couldn't help but to get it for her. <laughs> I just couldn't resist her. <laughs> Hard for Dad to tell his girls no. <laughs> but that's the way that God delights in giving for us. Oh man, he loves to do it. He gives to us freely. He gives to us abundantly. He gives to us. He loves to give to us. I mean, it's a joy. It gives a great joy to his heart to do things for us. Well, anyway, I'm going to share a lot more of those scriptures in the weeks to come because as I began thinking about it, man, scriptures just begin coming to me over and over in the Bible of how generous, how freely, how God loves to give to us, how easy it is to receive from him. And so I shared quite a few in part one shared a couple today, but I'll be sharing more of those as we progress in the series. And then as I guess this whole series kind of came to me or was sparked in my heart, I mean, just reading the life of Jesus, you just see he never turned anybody away. He just freely gave. He never turned anybody away. Never turned anybody away. Remember, These parents had brought their kids to Jesus and the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, no, bring them on in. He never turned anybody away. Never turned anybody. He was never too busy. He stopped. He took time for everybody. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And so we know the heart of the Father by looking at the life of Christ Jesus. And it is so easy to receive from our heavenly Father. I want to share a particular account. This is over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Those of you who have your Bibles, you can turn there. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. And if you don't have your Bible, you can just listen and I'll, I'll read the scriptures for you. But Luke, chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. Luke 18, verse 35 through 43, beginning with verse 35. And it says, And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. I want you to notice this. He was not only blind, he was also begging. And it shows you, this is a picture of the condition of man before Christ came. Man was blind Man was poor. Man was poor and blind. Poor in the degradation of our sins. We were blinded in eternal darkness. And so this is a picture of the condition of all of us before Christ came into our lives. We were all poor and blind. Praise God. And so that's a picture picture of the world, a picture of man before Christ came. In verse 36, and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. 
And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise unto God. I want you to notice something here. I had, of course, I've known this all my life, but I had never noticed this until the Holy Spirit had pointed this out to me. He said, notice, receive is mentioned three times. If you look at verse 41, he says, saying, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. So that's received the first time. And then the second time in verse 42, and Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And then the third time in verse 43, and immediately he received his sight. I said, Holy Spirit, you're pointing something out, and I see that. Three times, and it's showing you, I believe one is for the Father, one is for the Son, and one is for the Holy Spirit. You freely receive from God. You freely receive from Jesus. You freely receive from the Holy Spirit. And he marked that. He marked that receive. So easy to receive from our heavenly Father. I want to point out a few things. I always look at Scripture not as a history book, but I look at it as a living book, a book that speaks to us today, that speaks to our lives right now. The Holy Spirit shows us lessons. He teaches us things that are pertinent to us. He speaks to our lives. He highlights certain things. And so I just want to sort of exegete some of these things that here we learn from this blind beggar here. Number one, notice he was observant. He was observant. He was aware of his surroundings. Notice it says in verse 36, he was blind. Now he couldn't see, but in verse 36, and hearing the multitude pass by, so he was observant. He was aware of his surroundings. He had awareness, and he was observant. He was observant. The Bible says, look carefully, be circumspect, live circumspectly. It means to look around, live circumspectly, look around. The Bible says, watch as well as pray. <laughs> so we had to look. So this guy was observant, and he was aware of his surroundings. He couldn't see but he heard something. He heard some commotion, so he was observant. He was aware of his surrounding. Now, I also noticed this. He couldn't see, but he could hear. He could hear. And a lot of times when one sense is not operative, it causes your other senses to be more keen. So he couldn't use his sight, so he used what he could use. He used his hearing. He used his hearing. So don't worry about what you don't have. Use what you do have. Use what you do have. Use what you do have. And then the third thing we find after he heard something going on in verse 36 and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. He asked questions. He asked questions. I like that. So notice that he was observant. 
He couldn't see, but he could hear. He was aware of his surrounding. Then he asked questions. He was inquisitive. He was curious. You can tell a lot about a man by the questions that he asks. The only silly question is the question you don't ask. Charles Steinmetz said, no man really becomes a fool until he stops asking questions. Francis Bacon said, a prudent question is one half wisdom. Asking questions help us to do three things. When we ask questions, they help us to do three things. Number one, they help us to understand the situation. Number two, they help us to make more informed decisions. Number three, they help us to think more critically. So asking questions are a very good exercise. We learn, we gain more knowledge and insight when we ask questions, when you're curious. Never lose your curiosity. Always ask questions. Here are some good questions to ask yourself. What am I grateful for today? What am I grateful for today? Another good question to ask yourself, what am I excited about? What am I excited about? Another good question to ask yourself, what am I committed to make happen? What am I committed to make happen? Another good question to ask yourself, what good did I do today? Ponder on your day, reflect back on your day and ask yourself the question, what good did I do today? So questions are good for us to reflect. Questions are good to produce answers that help us in life. And so I love that. This guy couldn't see, but he could ask questions. He could hear, he could listen. He can be inquisitive. He can be curious. He was aware of his surrounding. Notice how he's using what he had. He was alert. He understood something was happening. His spotty senses were tingling. Something was going on. He knew something was going on. And so I just love that. I love that about him. Dr. A.R. Bernard said that God gives us two things. Number one, he gives us resources. Number two, he gives us relationships. God gives us two things, resources and relationships. So notice, he couldn't see, but he borrowed the eyes of other people. He asked them to see for him. And so he used his resources. He used what he had. He used the connections he had. He used the people that were around him. God always gives us two things. He always gives us resources. And he always gives us relationships. See, we have more than it appears that we have. He looked like just a poor, blind beggar. But he was far much more than that when you begin tapping into all the resources that God has put around you. And it speaks to our lives. It speaks to our lives to take inventory. Take inventory of your resources. Take inventory of your relationships. 
God has put everything uh, that you need, he has put it in proximity to you. He has put it, you just have to open your eyes, you have to have awareness, you have to, you have, to have sensitivity, you have to listen, you have to look around, you have to ask questions, but begin to use. There are some things that God has put right there around you. And it is so powerful as this demonstrated in his life. He used what he had. Someone said, what we have is less important than what we make out of what we have. So it's not so much, you know, important about what you have, but it's what you do with what you have. So he maximized what he had. He maximized what he had. It also teaches us the perspective of seeing the perspective of others. He saw through the eyes of other people. That's getting the perspective of someone else. So in any relationship, a marriage or any type of relationship, you always want to make sure you take time to see the other person's perspective. Look through their eyes. Look through their lens. See how it looks, you know, from their vantage point. And so, so often in relationships, we only look at things from our viewpoint, not realizing that the other person has a perspective. And so the Bible is showing us here, because this man couldn't see, he was looking through the eyes of others. That's perspective. He was gaining the perspective of others. And so God is saying to us, always take the time to look at the perspective from the vantage point of other people. See things how they are seeing things. See it from their their viewpoint. So often we only look from our viewpoint and it's very limited. You'll have a lot more grace and compassion dealing with people when you start looking at things from their perspective. Look at things from the other people's perspective. Man, this little blind man is teaching us a lot, isn't he? Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's, he also teaches us that you're only one decision away from a totally different life. He was a poor, blind beggar. But when he heard something happening, he made a decision to do something. He seized the moment. He seized an opportunity. You are only one decision away from a totally different Life After this decision he made and after the encounter he had, he was never blind again. He was never a beggar again on the side of the road. Completely changed his life by one decision that he made. You're one decision away. One decision away from a totally different life. Isn't that awesome? God can change your life in one moment. One moment. One instant. God can change your life. God can change your life. I love that. This God, he was not complacent. He didn't take that this was his lot for the rest of his life. He had a glimmer of hope. He had a glimmer that his life could be changed. And one decision changed his life forever. One decision, one decision can give you a totally different life. Make the most of the moment you're in right now. Make the most of the moment you're in right now. He had a moment and he seized. He seized the moment. He seized the moment. He seized the moment. He seized the moment. I'm thinking of something my friend Dr. Jason Thomas taught us. He said, 
Minimize the drama. Maximize the moment. And magnify the Lord. To completely change your life. But this guy sees the moment. He sees the moment. I love that. And then we also learn some things. He couldn't see, but he could yell. He could yell. <laughs> he used, notice how he's using what he had. He couldn't see, but he could yell. And he yelled. He seized that moment by doing something. Other people tried to stop him. They tried to quiet him up. They tried to shut him up. But he didn't allow opposition to stop him. In fact, he actually used that opposition to motivate him even more. When they told him to be quiet, he actually got louder. He actually got louder. He said, have mercy on me, thou son of David. Jesus, have mercy on me. He got louder. They told him to be quiet. He got louder. He wasn't going to miss his moment. He maximized the moment. He didn't let opposition stop him. That's a lesson that opposition will try to stop you. Opposition will try to stop you from receiving from God. Opposition will stop you from changing your life. But the Bible says you got to overcome the, the negative voices. You got to overcome the naysayers. You got to overcome anything that the enemy will try to do to stop you and hinder you. You got to overcome it. He wouldn't stop. I love that. I love that. The Bible puts it this way. The Bible says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. The Holy Spirit said this to me today. He said, yell and keep on yelling. This man yelled. They tried to shut him up, but he kept yelling. Keep on yelling. There is something in prayer called importunity. And this is what Jesus is teaching here. This is the importunity of prayer. This is the importunity of prayer. This is the importunity of prayer. Right at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus said, men are always to pray and you're never to faint. And so Jesus was teaching this about being persistent. If you are persistent, you'll get it. If you are consistent, you will keep it. And if you are grateful, you'll get more of it. Persistence, persistence, persistence helps us to receive from God. Man, this guy is, I just love this guy, this blind, poor beggar. But yet there were some rich qualities that were at work by the Holy Spirit. And he didn't even know what I was at work, but God was doing something to change his life and to speak to us generations and generations later. Praise God. Isaac Barrow said, he says, nothing of worth or weight can be achieved with half a mind, with a faint heart, and with a lame endeavor. And I love this because this guy didn't give a lame endeavor. He didn't have a faint heart. And man, he did not have a half a mind. He went at it. He gave it. This is what you call, he had faith and he also had fervency. He had faith and he had fervency. He yelled. He was thinking, how can I get his attention? How can I get Jesus' attention? And he had faith, but he not only had faith, he had faith and fervency. He had something to express his urgency, his fervency, his persistence, and he wouldn't stop. Let me read that again. Isaac Barrow said, nothing of worth or weight can be achieved with half a mind, with a faint heart, 
and with a lame endeavor, which means that if you're going to possess anything, you got to have a stick to it. You have to have an attitude that won't quit, that won't give in, that won't cave up, that'll keep coming, that won't take no for an answer. That, and so that's what this guy had. Nothing of worth or weight can be achieved with half a mind, with a faint heart, or with a lame endeavor. This guy, he went at it with everything he had, and I just love that. I love that he couldn't see, but he could yell. He couldn't see, but he could yell. He used what he had. He used what he had. He used what he had. A lot of times, God allows us to have certain deficiencies in our life to force us to use the wonderful gifts that are lying dormant that we don't even realize that we have. If you had everything, you wouldn't be as creative. You wouldn't find the creative genius that's in you, that's embedded in you. And so there's something out of struggle that produces some fine qualities in your life that otherwise you would never encounter them. They would never show up. And so God allows us to have these deficiencies to pull out certain strengths and qualities and character out of us. And man, it develops us into something that is so impactful in life, and God gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. I love that, man. Yell and keep on yelling. Yell and keep on yelling. Praise God. Praise God. I'm out of time. I'm going to stop, but I'll share these closing thoughts, and I'm going to stop for today. Oh, man, I had a... Man, I had some good stuff left in here, but I'm going <laughs> to... Well, I'm never in a rush. That's why I take my time and teach these series because, man, you know, I just like to take my time and walk through it slowly and enjoy God's Word, feed on God's Word, let it minister to us. And so we're just having fun, and we'll go through it step by step. Let me share just a couple more, then I'll stop. We see how easy it is to receive from our Heavenly Father because when he cried out and said, have mercy on me, thou son of David, he was expressing his faith in the fact that he was the Savior, the Messiah. When he used the term son of David, he understood that was the promised Messiah, the Savior. So he was expressing his faith in that this was the Savior, this was the Messiah. And he said, have mercy on me. He was now releasing his faith knowing that he was merciful to forgive he was merciful to heal he was merciful to help he believed in his loving kindness he believed in his grace he believed in his love he believed in his goodness and so when he said have mercy on me thou son of David he was saying pardon my sin and heal my condition. Your mercy forgives me, and your grace and mercy is there to heal me as well. And so he said, have mercy on me, thou son of David. Part my sin. Heal my condition. And so he understood the mercy, the loving kindness, and the grace, and the goodness of our Savior. And the interesting thing the Bible says that Jesus stopped in his tracks, not in this particular account in, in Luke, but in Matthew and in Mark, the other accounts. The Bible says when Jesus heard him, he stood still. 
That cry of faith made Jesus stand still. And then Jesus called him. Jesus said, bring him here. Jesus said, bring him here. Let us know that Jesus welcomes us. He welcomes us. He invites us. He invites us into his presence. It's an opportunity, man, to apply ourselves to him. And this little blind beggar, he didn't miss his opportunity to apply himself to Christ in his presence. He recognized his presence and he applied himself. Every day, we have the opportunity to recognize Christ's presence and apply ourselves to him. What if he'd have missed taking that opportunity? It's the same thing that happens to us. What if we miss taking the opportunity to pray every day? You just missed an opportunity to apply yourself to the presence of Christ. You don't have no idea what you're missing out on. You have no idea what God wanted to give you or show you or share with you or heal you or do anything for you. When you miss that time with him, we have no idea what we miss. And then Jesus finally reveals what I've been teaching all along. He asked him this question, and I love the way it's phrased in the NASV version. I think that's the New American Standard English version. He says it this way. What, I want you to listen, how easy it is to receive. What do you want me to do for you? Oh, man. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus already knew what he needed, but he wanted him to ask it. God already knows what we need before we ask him, but he still wants you to ask him. He wants to hear it coming from you so that you can appreciate and value the mercy that's about to be released into your life. He also wants you to be specific in your requests so that you can recognize when the answer comes. If you're generic in your request, you won't recognize when the answer comes. But if you're specific in your request, then you'll recognize the answer when it comes. And I just love that. I love that. He wants to hear it come from us, even though he already knows what you have need of before you ask him. He still wants you to ask him. And he wants you to be specific. Praise God. Well, I'm going to shut it down right there. I still got a couple of other more good things in this. We'll jump in next time. You all not going anywhere. Y'all will be back next. <laughs> Y'all will be back next time. We'll jump right in. Those of you who are watching us by television, I want you to go to brothersoftheword.com. You can listen to this entire series, easy to receive from our Heavenly Father. Absolutely free of charge. You can also email it. To a friend. Thank you so much for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. You are listening to BrothersoftheWord.com. This was part two of the series titled, Easy to Receive, from Our Heavenly Father by C. Elijah Bronner. This message is number 7991. That's 7991. To listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 7991 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's I want to give.
brothersoftheword.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, oh.